0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au.
1: Let's go to the Word of God together. We're in a series called Build Again, and uh, I want to speak to you tonight on the erosion of vision. Some years ago, my wife Rhonda and I had the privilege of going on holiday uh, to... uh, Venice and to Florence and I love Italy I would go to Italy tonight if I could I think it's just a fabulous place so much history everywhere Uh, and I, I after a while you just get used to seeing fabulous works of art that are famous in almost every building you go to. And I remember in this building, I can't remember the name of the building, but I remember still walking up this marble staircase that had obviously been there for, I guess a couple of hundred years because it was well-worn. And I came up onto the landing as it started to then turn and go up another flight of stairs. And as I came up, my attention was drawn to a huge painting. I don't know how big, it was but it was was large that covered almost the entire wall of that landing and then there was a couple of chrome posts either end and a velvet rope that stopped you going up to touch it and on a little stand in the middle of that was this sign, I've never forgotten it, let me read it to you. It says this, more than all the damage to art caused by war, fire or flood is the damage caused by daily pollution. More than all the damage caused by all the wars, all the fires or all the floods, is the damage caused by daily pollution. This afternoon, I uh, FaceTimed one of my grandchildren is in Brisbane and I FaceTimed young Judah, she's eight. And she was riding her bicycle down the footpath and she wanted granddad to see how fast she could go. And so she did that, did you get it, Granddad? Well, then after that, she said, look at this, Granddad. And her mum's holding the phone and turns it around and she does a handstand against the wall of the house. And I said, she obviously could hear it. I said, darling, you should be in the Olympics. What an athlete. She said this, listen to it. She said, Granddad, I'm gonna be an actress, the prime minister, And I'm going to be in the Olympics. And I thought, what a fabulous visionary heart from an eight-year-old child. I'm not content with one great achievement, one great career. I'm going to be an actress. I'm going to be prime minister. And I'm going to be in the Olympic Games as well. You know, I know so many people that have started with phenomenal vision. I've lost count of the number of people that have come to me and they've got a great dream. So much so that I know that the beginning of a dream, whilst it's wonderful and to be celebrated and never to be treated cynically, but I know that most people don't end up at the place of fulfilment of that vision or even of that call. 500 people saw Jesus bodily ascend into heaven. But 10 days later, only 120 of them remain. So I know that the start of vision is awesome. But what's more important is that we continue to the fulfilment of vision. We've been in this series called Build Again. And tonight I want to talk to you about the erosion of vision Last week we spoke about Nehemiah and the great beginning of it. That when he hears about Jerusalem, the walls burned and destroyed. He goes before God and God birthed something. If you weren't here last week, you can still get that. It's up on YouTube. And you can still get that message of the birthing of a vision, the beginning of it. And I would never take away anything from the absolute power. I pray that not one of us that's a part of this service have allowed cynicism or have allowed some kind of obstacle or criticism that's come our way to push us away and go, ah, oh, you know, why would you bother? You'll never amount to that. You'll never be able to do that. I pray literally no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter, how old you are, no matter what you've been through, I pray that there's still a hunger in your heart to say, God, you can do something extraordinary. There's no such thing as too old for God. There's no such thing as too broken for God. There's no such thing as as well you don't know enough, you're not resourced enough, you're not smart enough, because this book is full of people that God picked up out of obscurity, out of anonymity and put His hand on their life and they became people that were extraordinary and turned the world upside down. The Bible says about the early apostles that when they went before the religious educated leaders, it says they took note of them that they were ignorant and unlearned men. But a couple of chapters later, speaking again about these same people, it says all we know is that these men that have turned the world upside down have now come here and I still believe and my life has been always pointed toward the fact that there's still room and still time for the greatest move of God that we've ever seen on planet earth. Why? Because the Bible tells me that the last days are not just going to be about fear and about difficulty and about all kinds of evil, uh, you know, multiplying in the earth. My Bible tells Tells me that God says in the last days will be the greatest harvest there's ever been on planet earth. That's why I'm not surprised by the stories we hear about Albania in a country that was so in the grip of, of dictatorship under an atheist president for so long. And now the doors are open to the gospel, and people that have grown up without the name of Jesus now are hungry and thirsty like never before. But you know, I believe that for this nation. I really do. I don't believe that all that's going on Oh, please, don't allow your focus to get lost into all that's going on. And he said, and she said, and the governments, because my Bible says, lift up your eyes and look for the fields are white under harvest. And there are more people that are, are hungry to know God than have ever been on the planet ever before. It's just that if we don't open our eyes, we never get to see them. And so fulfilment of vision, regardless of obstacles or impossibilities or opposition or criticism, those things can certainly get in the road of vision. But I believe that more common is what I call the erosion of vision. Let me read to you Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9. It says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy under the Lord your God. Don't mourn nor weep. For all now, watch this. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Ezra the scribe gets up from early morning, and all day long the people stand. They don't sit in a comfy chair; they stand, and he begins to read out all the commands and all the promises of God. The people are so impacted by the Holy Spirit, they begin to cry. They begin to go, you know what? We've sinned against God. We've turned our back, but look how good God is. And out of that comes tears, not only of sorrow for their sin, but tears of joy, it's quite profound. Then He said to them, verse 10, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet. In other words, go out and have a great buffet. Send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Don't sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people saying, Be still for the day's holy. Don't be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink to send portions and rejoiced greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. These people are repentant. These people are excited. There is a move of God. There is no other way to describe it when 50,000 plus people stand uh, at attention, listening all day long. And then when they're commanded, come on, you've wept enough. Go out and begin to rejoice. These people go out. It is pumping. But in Nehemiah chapter 13, Nehemiah has to go back to King Artaxerxes in Babylon. And when he comes back from his visit to King Artaxerxes, these same people that have been weeping in repentance, these same people that have been so excited, well, they've obviously slipped they have invited their enemy into the temple and given him storage space. They've forsaken the one law that was primary to them, the keeping of the Sabbath. They've stopped their support. They're no longer giving into the work of the house of God. And all this and you go, how does that get there from what we just read before? If you want scriptures for that, you can go and check them out, Nehemiah 13. Verse 7 to 11. I'll just read verse 11. So I contended with the rulers and I said, why is the house of God forsaken? I gathered them together and set them in their place. Let me say this to you tonight, that starting well is important, but finishing well is where the prize is. You know that we've just had the Olympics this year and lots of people had great starts But they don't give you a medal because you start. They give you a medal because you finish. Is that right? And so many people begin, I'm not trying to belittle it or or in any way cast a, a pall over those that may be just beginning in their dream. I'm encouraging you to say, come on, build into your life the things that will give your vision longevity. Life goes a long time. That's what I know. And I know that life goes a long time and there are challenges along the way, Anna said it. But it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. There will be detours, there will be sidetracks, there will be a couple of dead ends perhaps in your life. And if you will keep vision strong in your life, if you will allow God to continue to build it then you will finish well. I love the words of the apostle Paul where he says this I have run the race and I've finished my course henceforth there is laid up for me a crown. You don't get the crown because of the road to Damascus and your experience with Jesus. You get the crown for what you did continuing after that. Isn't that right? How many people want to finish well in Jesus' name? I want to finish well. I don't don't want to be some grumpy old person. You know who goes, well, back in my day, you know, and that was so cool. I want to just finish well. I I want to be a little bit like, you know, Elijah who gets carried, wouldn't that be cool, get carried into heaven by a whirlwind? What about Enoch, it says in Genesis, who walked with God? And one day he started walking with God and he just kept on walking and slowly but surely his steps got higher and higher but he never noticed because he was doing what Anna was saying and he made sure that he wasn't distracted. He was so focused. He just kept on walking. The Bible says that he was not. Enoch walked with God and he was there. One day he just happened to walk into heaven and go, oh, that's where I am. Starting well is important but finishing well is where the prize is. So let me help you tonight. I will really want, you might want to jot these down for yourself. How do I prevent erosion of vision? I think right now, wherever you are around the world, I just think this is like, oh, it's kind of like danger time, but excitement time. I think the people that keep vision in the middle and keep it strong and keep it pure, they're going to see more harvest and more fulfilment than they ever could have dreamed. I believe that. But I think the people that just aren't done with what they're doing, some of them will just drop their vision and have to come back perhaps later sometime and pick it up and start going with it again. How do I prevent? What do I do to, to, I was going to say inoculate myself, but let's not get into that one. Uh, How do I prevent the erosion of vision in my life? Here's number one. Build non-negotiable habits. That is so simple, but it's so powerful. I've thought about this verse a lot in this last year or so. Luke 4, verse 16. It says this, So Jesus came to Nazareth where He had been brought up. And as His custom was, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and He stood up to read. And I think about the people I've met over the years that have said to me, brother, I don't need church. I'm okay with God. It's okay. I I don't need God. I worship Him at the beach. And I go, that's awesome that you worship Him at the beach. But then I read this verse and I read of all the people ever born on planet Earth that could truthfully say, I don't need church. The one person who could say that had made it a non-negotiable habit. Think about it. Imagine being Jesus and every single week you go to church and you listen to people talk about things that you built. Well, you know, the guy gets up and reads out of Genesis in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And he says, I was there for that because John 1 says, nothing was made without Him. And imagine being Jesus. And everything that they say, you know, like you really know, you don't know about, you know. Build non-negotiable habits into your life. Great habits will save you when pressure comes to your life because pressure will certainly come. What kind of good habits? We do this all the time with children. We build good habits into them of keeping tidy their room or doing their homework or eating the right foods. Isn't that mostly the job of a, well, it's not mostly the job of a parent, but it's a large part of the job of a parent, isn't It's building good habits into your kids because one day you're not there to rule their life. The book of Galatians says that. It says the law or habits, rules, are the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. In other words, build the right things into your life because one day the trainer wheels get taken away. So, if you really want to prevent erosion in your life, build non negotiable habits, habits of prayer. You know, I thank God because otherwise prayer becomes a when I feel led, or giving becomes a when I feel moved by the Holy Spirit. Rather than building the kind of be a generous, spirited person, not a person who occasionally does random acts of kindness. They are very different. Are you with me? I don't know what habits you need to build. I say to people, you know, it's not how long the habit is. It's like if you go to the gym for 10 minutes every day, you will get fitter than the person who goes once a month for three hours. The person that goes once a month for three hours will certainly have about the same bank of time. They'll have built that up, but they're not going to get fit. They're more likely to get injured. I would rather somebody pray 10 minutes and that's it, five minutes even, every single day. Just say, I'm going to get up five minutes earlier. I'm going to do it rather than, than praying at the traffic lights. I'm going to take time, spend that five minutes with God. I'm going to read one, book of, one chapter of Proverbs. There's 31 of them. Do one of those every day. I'll just read that and pray for five minutes. Do that every day. You will spiritually get further ahead than the person who, you know, binges. Binge watching is a big deal. Here's the second thing. Keep close to healthy, committed people who are going in the same direction that you are. Again, none, nothing I'm about to say to you is rocket science. But it's so incredible because I'm amazed how many people, particularly right now, the worst thing is that right now, you don't even have to go to their house to keep company with them. All you've got to do is pick this up and click on Instagram. And all of a sudden, you're keeping company. I like podcasts. I don't like sitting in the car just... Bedging. Well, I'm in the car, I'm listening to something I want to learn. But, you know, there are some things occasionally that pop up on my podcast feed that I just go, I do not want to walk with those people because that's not going where I'm going. Where they're talking about division, where they're talking about what they're against, I go, that's not what I'm building my life around. So I don't want to go walking with people that are not going in the same direction as me. 1 Corinthians, here's one of the most amazing verses of the Bible that I don't know I've ever heard anyone ever preach on. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. I'll give you a minute to look it up or if you're with us at MetroChurch.online, it's in your notes. Look at what it says. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Now we all think the opposite. We think my good heart It's going to change everyone around about me. God says, hold on a second here. It says evil company will corrupt good habits in a person's life. If you keep hanging around people that aren't going where you're going, it's quite likely you're going to end up deviating from your course. That's why Psalm 1 begins, the first Psalm. Blessed is the man or the woman that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of scornful, nor walks in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Why? The first nine chapters of Proverbs are all about, the first nine chapters are about who do you hang around with in life? Who are you fellowshipping with? These are simple things. So number one, build non-negotiable habits. Number two, keep close to healthy, committed people going in the same direction. Amen. Number three, accept the inevitability of ordinary days. You're going to have them. How do I know that? Elijah had them, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. Moses had ordinary days. God, kill me. That's what he said at one point. God, kill me. Take away my life. Elijah, kill me. Uh, Like, hello, we're talking here about a pretty serious kind of a space to be in when it comes to your mental health. And these two great men of God had incredibly ordinary days. Paul had them. John the Baptist, no man greater born of woman, according to Jesus, than John the Baptist. He had an ordinary day. Are you, he, or should we look for another? So I know that if these people had him, Paul said at one point, I despaired of life. So I know that if they can have an ordinary day, guess what? Probably you and I will as well. But if you've built non-negotiable habits... If you are keeping close to healthy, committed people going in the same direction, when those ordinary days rock up, you don't throw everything out going, it's all terrible. Well, I'm never going to make it. You'll understand sometimes, I was thinking about it, I'm going to preach on this somewhere on the way, because I'm thinking a lot about how Joseph is obedient to the vision of God and then everything goes in the reverse direction. How do you handle it when you've got this great vision. And all of a sudden, it's almost like instead of forward gear, you, you, your vehicle spins into reverse. Are you with me here? Because I'm not trying to preach you a nice, clever sermon. I want you to understand because I've met too many people where their best laid plans and their big dreams are, you know, reverse gear moment. And I've watched those people then navigate, how do I get through this space? How do I see the fulfilment of this? The promises that somebody made to you that they were going to be with you or they were going to help you and then all of a sudden they don't do that. They not only abandon you, but they reject you and then they cut you off. What do you do when you get into that space? Are you going to continue? with I hope you're getting this tonight because I believe that vision's so important, that Eroding it and allowing it to be eroded, these people in the book of Nehemiah began with such enthusiasm, such passion, and such on fireness for God and Then, when this one person they 're walking with called Nehemiah goes away for a couple of months, all of a sudden, the whole lot just disappears and I go, what was holding you to this vision? What was holding you to this thing that you 'd walk worked for, labored for, spent your energy on? And all of a sudden it's just like, too bad. Except the inevitability of ordinary days. There are days when fulfillment seems further away, not closer. Amen. Do I get a witness to anybody else in the building where I'll just preach to me for a second? Jeff, because there are some times you know when you have believed for things and wanted things and, and declared things and watched things and seen things in the Spirit. And then it seems like after that, they, it goes in the opposite direction. And what am I going to do then? Am I going to allow vision to get eroded in my life? Am I going to let those things get taken away? Amen. Or am I going to say, God, this is just an ordinary day and the sun's going to shine again? And the vision still lives. I woke up one morning early this week. This happens to me so many times. I don't know if it's because God can speak to me best when I'm half awake. Because you notice when I'm fully awake, my brain's going a million miles an hour. But I woke up and I, I I'm not going to say I didn't hear a voice, but I woke up with this thought like somebody wrote it in neon in my mind. The vision is sufficient. I wrote it down and I thought, wow, how important it is. So many things in your life, listen to me, so many things in your life are going to try and pull you down a peg or two, tell you you're not good enough, tell you, you you're not able, tell you it's never going to happen, tell you that promotion, that dream, that place you're thinking of, somehow or other not going to, you know, and try to bring fear into the equation. They're the days when you've got to do number four, keep vision Clean. Every time I've ever gone to the optometrist for a test to get some new sunglasses or ordinary glasses, every single time they'd give me one of these. Matter of fact, when I got my last car, they gave me one of these badged with the name of my car. And I said to the guy, what's that for? He said, you've got a screen there, a touch screen. He said, and after a while, it's going to get so many fingerprints on it, you won't be able to see what's behind it. Here is your cleaning cloth so you can see what's on the screen. They give you one of these, and I, I keep one in my pocket all the time. Why? Because it's so easy for fingerprints and dirt and smudges to get onto your vision. I had this, now this is actually the medical term, I checked it out. There's this thing called floaters, they get in your eye, you know what I mean? I had one of them once, so big after I'd had to have an eye operation, it was so big, I literally was swatting away a fly in front of me. There wasn't a fly, it was in my eye. It was incredible. I thought I could see something, but it wasn't actually there. Can you keep vision clean? Proverbs 29, verse 18, without a vision, people perish. The word vision there literally means something you gaze at. James chapter 1, verse 23 says, If you're a hearer of the word, not a doer, you're like someone who looks at a picture of themselves, sees them in a mirror, and when they walk away, they forget who they are. Let me pray with you right now, because some of us here in this place, we've caught a glimpse of a vision, and then dirt and things have come in to smudge it, You start saying to yourself, you know, it's not as clear. Maybe it wasn't meant to be. Maybe God, maybe i misheard. Maybe it's meant to be different. We can begin to change the vision that God gave. This is what the Apostle Paul said when he stood before King Agrippa. He said, King Agrippa, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. Because vision isn't something you get to adjust. I get to change so it fits my circumstance. Vision from God is something you obey. Father, I pray tonight for people that are a part of this service, either in front of me, with us online, or maybe online during the week in another time zone, another place, and another platform. God, I know that for so many people, You have whispered to them a divine vision, a dream. There are people here who would not know how to put it into words. They couldn't write it down. But there is a sense of call, a sense of Your hand. They know, Lord, that You have touched them for something important. There are others here, Lord, that have been journeying for a long time on that same road towards the fulfilment of that vision. Maybe obstacles and and difficulties have come. Maybe things in this last couple of years have meant they've just parked it for a while. But God, I hear you say, come on, pick it up. Clear it so you can see it and begin to walk toward it again in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord, I pray. Father, we never came here for a sermon. We never came here for information. We came here for transformation by the Holy Spirit. We came here, Lord, so that you could do something profound in our life for your glory. Because, Lord, our life is not even just about having you so that our life can be better. It's about you having us so the world can be better. So I thank you, Lord, for the greatness of it. Can we stand together before God just for a minute? Team, we're going to come and we're going to worship in a minute. But I want you to take a minute. I feel like there's there's been, I I don't know who you all are. I don't work this out ahead of time. But I feel like there's people here where the enemy's been kind of trying to get you to lower it. You know, to kind of, well, maybe. Maybe it looks, well, you know, well, you know. Don't be so strong on it. I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, will you let me breathe on it again? Will you let me touch it again? Will you let me make it strong again? I know I'm speaking to people here. I know that God is speaking to you and saying, come on, I want to breathe on this. Pick it up again. You go, oh Lord, but you know, I tried and it didn't work. He goes, pick it up again. Pick it up again. The first time Joseph picked up the vision, it definitely didn't work. The second time he picked it up, it definitely didn't work. The third time he picked it up, it definitely didn't work. Psalm 105 says that he kept going until that door opened and look what happened. And a nation got birthed out of a man who was willing to pick up the vision, not once, not twice, not three times, but four. God help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Come on, team, just lead us. Let's worship together for a minute. Then I'm going to speak to people that that need to say yes to Christ. Thank you. Michael, just come, Michael Parther, just come a minute. Michael leads our young adults here, great young man. I remember five minutes of fire, I don't know how long ago it was, but it's a little while ago. You talked about the wrestling of God and about how God, the Holy Spirit, had been working in you to bring you through. There were some things you were wrestling with in your mind and your heart. And and I, I feel tonight like, oh, well, I'm certainly going to pray for you. But I feel like the Holy Spirit, it's almost like He's saying, well done. Well done. You know, you look back and you can see I could have stumbled there. I could have taken a wrong step. There was a detour that was so attractive. I could have gone there. That could have happened. But you held on to something deep inside of the call of God. Now, I don't know, you're preaching next Sunday night here and I don't know what you're preaching on, but I do know this, that uh, if I was a young adult particularly, I'd definitely be here for it. Because I think you're going to say something to this generation that they need to hear about, you know, like Anna was saying tonight, how, how it all works together. I didn't even know. I've never heard that song before, but what a beautiful song. Come on, let's pray together for Michael and this next generation. Hayden, come join me a minute. Because we want to pray as well for Red Frogs. You guys, you know how the heart of our church, it's not about how big the young adult group is or youth or anything else. We thank God that He's given us the privilege of speaking to thousands upon thousands upon thousands. No, Michael, sometimes God doesn't show us what is in front of us until we wrestle. Jacob wrestled with an angel. Before that, he's just a very keen young businessman. Seriously, go and read the story in Genesis. He's just a really successful young man. But when he wrestles with the angel, his life and his destiny changes. He goes out of that from being a businessman to, to having a name change from Jacob, which means, you know, someone who tricks people. He was a good worker of the room, but he gets his name changed to Israel, which means prince with God. Now I feel like, you know, he had no idea until he wrestled. He didn't know what the future held. He's actually leaving a difficult place in his life. I feel like, God's got so much more for you that He's opening up in front of you. You're going to be glad you wrestled until. You're going to be glad you never took the easy way, the quick way, the simple way. Father, we thank You for Michael and thank You for all that You will raising him up to do. Thank You, Lord, that for Hayden and Red Frogs we have not yet seen. What You intend to do, Your heart is bigger than one cohort, one group, one year. God, Your heart is for families. Your heart, Lord, is for a broken society. Lord, when we read about meth epidemics and about it rising, when we read about mental health breakdowns, God, we know that we need more than great organisations. The care we need a move of the Holy Spirit. So God, I pray for these two young men. God, whose arms right now are are linked together, Lord, in different places, but doing the same thing, reaching the next generation for Christ. I thank You, Lord, for the missionaries that will be raised up through the ministry of Michael and young adults. People, Lord, that will travel to other places and will take a fire. God, what we have that we consider normal and every day, in so many other places, God, would be extraordinary. Thank You for it. Thank You, Lord, for the doors that You'll open. God, I thank You for Your leadership to Michael. Michael, there's a verse in Isaiah, it says, Your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn from the right hand to the left. In other words, God says, keep going, son, I'll direct you. If you go the wrong way, I'll stop you. I'll tell you, not there, go there. Just go full steam ahead. You don't have to go tentatively. You don't have to go wondering. You just go full steam ahead and say, God, you'll tell me if I need to adjust. Father, we thank you for Him in Jesus' name. We pray for next Sunday night, Lord, for the Word that Michael's going to bring. God, not a word of pressure for speaking or oratory, but God, a a delivery of something that heaven wants to say to a generation that needs to hear it. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you, man. Well done. Thank you, Hayden. Come on, let's sing it again. You've been faithful. You've been faithful. Lift up your heart to God. Come on. this song. And again, I've never heard it before, but one of the lines of it talk about for my first, is this the song for my first breath? Is that that song or another one? We sang it tonight anyway. Do you realize that your life is not some random act of biology? Do you realize that your life is not just some random molecular assembly that turned out to be you? The Bible says that you were chosen by God before you were even in your mother's womb. I know that's extraordinary. I know in our world of science, we go, how could that even be? Well, it couldn't be, except that there's a God who's running this whole thing. A God who wants you to know Him. The first thing that He put in place when He thought of you was not just all that you might do scholastically, or in your business, or in your career, or in your relationships. The first thing that he thought of was that you might know Him, that you could find God. The psalmist says that we we walk through life and we, we want to find God, struggle. with We want to intersect with God. I was 19 when I intersected with God. I thank God for that church. It was never very big. But I thank God for people that every Sunday... They preached the gospel and they said, You can know Jesus. Because there came one Sunday when I said, That's me. I need Jesus. Those people are probably all long gone, gone to heaven. The church isn't there anymore. I drove past it a couple of years ago. They've turned it into townhouses. But I thank God for people that were there to say, You can start. You can start. Maybe you're here tonight and you go, I don't know how to start. Well, you begin by saying, Jesus, come into my life. I'm saying yes to you. I need you. Father, help people tonight. People that are here in front of me. People that are in the online space. People that are going to be a part of this service during the week, however many there are right now. Touch them. Help them, Lord. God, give them that great brand new beginning called salvation. Jesus becoming real to them. Where they just say, Jesus, come into my life. Save me tonight. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you're doing that tonight, if you're saying yes to Christ, let me tell you up here on the screen, there it is. as simple as that. If you're in Australia, text yes to 0488826. Night I've seen people in services take a photo of that. And then Wednesday morning at 3am or some other time, we get a Yes text. We often get them at the most random times of the week. Thank God for it. If you're outside of Australia, and I know lots of you are, you can go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Just put in Yes. We'll send you the help. It comes from us. It's not from a third party. We don't engage anywhere, anyone. It's us. The people that do it are right here in the service. We send you a Bible verse, different every day for 30 days. We send you a prayer, a different one every day for 30 days so you can start talking to God. We want to help you. We'll never write and ask you for anything. So if ever you get something that says it's for Metro asking you for money, it wasn't Metro. You won't get it. We want to help you. Father, I pray that those people tonight that need to, will say yes. I pray that the people that have walked away from you for some reason or other, things got blurry in their life. Bring them back to you tonight, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Let them give you again a great yes in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I I know time's gone. My time's well and truly gone. But everybody else can leave. I want to sing that song again. Ben, thank you so much. You know, I hear your passion coming out when you're singing that song and I don't really know what it's about but I felt like you know there's been this season of disappointment in your life where it was like what? What?" and you kept on going praising through that time of disappointment and God goes son I'm going to bless you I'll open up better doors I'll open up bigger doors come on let's sing together this song in Jesus name as we go to say beautiful song. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Uh, Pastor Bruce is waiting online to minister to people that need prayer if you're in the building. If you'd like prayer, please come. We'd love to pray for you.